Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Deuteronomy. Book of <coughs> Deuteronomy chapter 6. What I want to do for <clears throat> our Lord's table preparation is to keep our mind on what we have already been learning as we have been looking at <clears throat> the law of Christ. And if you remember when I would if I were to ask you what is the law of Christ, no doubt what would come to your mind is the book of John chapter 13. When the Lord Himself says that we are to love one another as I have loved you. And it really is His example that really heightens. You know, anybody can define love any way they want to. I've had people who were in... a fornicatious relationship tell me that they love the Lord. But when you take to love one another and you put it in the context of looking at the Lord's love, it heightens it to a place where really, if we really understand it, that we cry in our heart, this is impossible for us. And we also recall that our Lord said when He was asked, What is the great commandment in the law? Now, Lord responded that the first and foremost commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. In other words, we're to love Him with every faculty that we have. From the smallest cells in our body, we ought to be loving Him with everything that we have. And I want to read from Deuteronomy chapter 6. The quotation that Jesus gave to those men. And I want to begin reading in verse 4 down through verse 9. Hear, O Israel, The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates." And the first thing that we want to notice here in this passage is that this idea of loving the Lord your God is not just a New Testament understanding. That here Moses is, he's actually giving a second summarization of the law to these people, to Israel, as they have come out of Egypt. 
And he gives to them what is called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then immediately Moses tells those people, you are to love the Lord your God with all of your being. And the Lord took that quote exactly from Deuteronomy chapter 6 to say that it is the first and the foremost commandment. The first and foremost commandment is to love. And it was binding upon those Israelites as God brought them out and made that Mosaic covenant with them. Every New Testament believer loves God. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22 says, If any man does not love the Lord, he is anathema. He is under the curse of God. John would write again that the evidence that God is love and the evidence of our being born again is our love back to Him. We love God because He first, what? Loved us. And in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, Paul writes in those passages, therefore being justified by faith. And then he gives five results. And one of those results is that we rejoice in tribulation also because, hear what he says, The love of God has been poured out into your heart by His Spirit. So every believer loves God to some measure and some degree with the love that God loves us. This isn't a so-called love, it's not a romantic love. It is a love that is holy, it is unique, it is directly from God Himself. And folks, love, loving God is the foundation and the fountain of all of our obedience. You could use the word true evangelical obedience always flows out of a love for God. Now you can obey God with all different types of motives. Your motive could be self-preservation. Your motive could be that you want to have a good day, so you better read your Bible. One preacher said, you don't read your Bible like a rabbit's foot. Meaning, if I don't read my Bible, I'm going to have a bad day, but if I read my Bible, then God's going to give me a good day. All kinds of motives, right? But the biblical motive for our obedience in the New Testament, and what we'll see even in the Old Testament, was to be love to God and love to our fellow man. On those two laws, all the other laws flow out of them. Whether it be the Ten Commandments or any of the other 613 laws that the Jews themselves numbered from the Mosaic Covenant. Now what I want to do pretty quickly is survey the Torah. I want to survey the places, most of them are in Deuteronomy, 
only one outside of Deuteronomy, but I want to survey those where the Scripture, through whoever is speaking, exhorts that nation Israel to love God. So let's take our Bibles and let's turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. And if I say Exodus chapter 20, you know immediately that we are talking here in this passage about what we call the what? The Ten Commandments. And so when you look at Exodus chapter 20, you have God giving them these Ten Commandments. Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Verse 4, you should not make for yourself an idol or a likeness of this. And he goes on and says, verse 5, You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a zealous jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of them that what? Hate me but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Did you see that? God's loving kindness is upon what type of people? Those who love God and keep His commandments. And folks, what I want you to see in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 6 is this. Did you notice the sequence? What is first? Loving God. What is second? Obeying Him. Everybody see that? It says, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to these types of people who love me, that's first, and keep my commandments. Alright, let's go back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5 is the repetition, or as it were, the second giving of these Ten Commandments. And we'll see that this is consistent. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 10. Again, you have not making for yourself an idol or any likeness of it. Verse 10 of Deuteronomy 5, but showing loving kindness to thousands... And again, note the sequence. To those who love me and keep my what? My my commandments. Everybody see that? Okay, so what we want to note is this. Did the Mosaic Law command people to love God? It did. And in the New Testament, the very fount and basis of our lives is loving God and loving one another. Something has gone on in our hearts so that we can love one another with the love that Christ showed. Same love. If we continue on looking here at the law, of course we read Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. And again, you'll notice here in Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, you have a declaration... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then immediately you have, you shall love the Lord your God. 
Verse 6, the words that I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children. And we'll come back to that. In Deuteronomy 7, chapter 7, and verse 9, Moses talks about, in verse 7, that the Lord set His love upon them. Not because they were lovable. In fact, the Lord chose them not because of their number and not because of their spirituality. He chose them because they were fewest in number and they were the most stubborn people on the earth. How would you like that? And in Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9, the Lord says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps His covenant and His loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who first, what? Love Him, and secondly, what? Keep His commandments. Does everybody see that? Folks, this is why I'm saying to you that the foundation and the fountain of our obedience has to be flowing out of a regenerated heart, that fountain flowing out of a love for God, and then a love for our fellow man. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, <coughs> in Deuteronomy chapter 10, again, Moses is preaching. And it says in verse 12, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways and love Him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and statutes which I am commanding you today for your good. Again, what we see, we have a hard attitude... That is to fear the Lord our God. We have a determination that we're going to walk in His ways, but the very first thing the Lord requires is that we what? We love Him. And we do with all our heart and with all our soul. And out of that, verse 13, to keep His commandments. So again, we have this idea that first of all, you have to love, love God. And folks, you're never going to love one another unless the love of God is in your soul. You love God with all your being and everything you have so that you can love other people. Which is amazing to me. And I remember the first time I thought this. I am to love God with 110% as it were. I realize you can't do 110%. Okay, but you love God 110%, well, there shouldn't be any love left for your fellow man if you're doing that. But you can't love your fellow man unless you're loving God that way. So in Deuteronomy chapter 11, <clears throat> we have again the Lord addressing these people. Deuteronomy 11 verse 1. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and always keep His charge, His statutes, His ordinances, and His commandments. 
So again, do you see the same sequence? It's not keep my commandments and love me. It's love me and what? And keep my commandments. If you go down in chapter 11, this is actually done three times in this passage. Deuteronomy 11 and verse 13. It shall come about if you listen obediently to my commandments, which I am commanding you today. All right, what is the summation of the commandments? This is what I'm commanding you today. To love the Lord your God and serve Him with all your heart and all your soul. So what's first, serving God or loving God? Loving God is first. And then service unto Him. If you're here in Deuteronomy 11, and you go down again, verse 22, he says, For if you are careful to keep all this commandment, singular, which I am commanding you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and hold fast to Him, So again, we see the same sequence here. We have a loving to God, an obedience, meaning walking in His ways, and then a holding fast to Him. Whether we're holding fast or whether we're walking, it all begins with love. Love to God. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 13. Here we have a very interesting passage because... You know that if there are true prophets, there are also false prophets. And in Deuteronomy 13, Moses tells that nation, verse 1, If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true, concerning which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. Verse 3. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, because the Lord your God is testing you. Does everybody see that? He's testing you to find out if you... Folks, the Bible says that in the last days there are going to be so many false prophets and false teachers out there that they are almost innumerable. One of the reasons that the Lord allows this is to test our love. It's a test of whether we love Him. If a person gets led astray from the Scripture to a false teacher, it is showing, at best, it's showing a lack of love. And at worst, it might be showing what? No love at all. All that is out there on the internet, on social media, all the communication that is going on out there, that is bearing false witness to God is a test. It is a test of our what? Our love. 
And folks, you know that Jesus said that in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. They will run after these false teachers. It is a test. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, here again, he's talking about the cities of refuge. And in verse 8, it says, If the Lord your God enlarges your territory, just as He has sworn to your fathers and gives you all the land which He promised to give your fathers. In other words, if the Lord prospers them. Verse 9, If you carefully observe all this commandment, singular, which I command you today, what is that commandment? It begins this way. To love the Lord your God. Everybody see that? And to walk in His ways. Folks, what is the commandment? To love God. That is the commandment. And you know what? Israel missed that. And they got so fixated on keeping all the commandments by duty and by just routine. And the fall, and the prophets would come and say, your heart is not in it. And they stoned them. They put them to death under the name of the Mosaic Law, just like they did Christ. What is the problem? No love. And Jesus would tell those Pharisees in His day, if you love God, you would love Me. Everybody see the test there? It's a test of our love. Now folks, if this is all we had... We are of all men most miserable. If I were to ask you, how many of you have loved God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength, do you know how many hands I would get? None. I only know one man that did that. And that is Jesus Christ our Lord. Folks, that commandment in and of itself should have spoken to those Israelites that they needed to be saved from something. Or at best, they needed this love. And so Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he speaks of their restoration after they depart from God. And he speaks that when all these judgments come upon them, and it comes to their mind that they need to return to the Lord their God, that they could go to Him and He would do something that they needed desperately and that you and I need desperately. 
Look at verse 6. Moreover, the Lord your God will do what to your heart? Do you see that? The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to what? In other words, folks, what does it take for a man or a woman or a boy or a girl to love God? It takes circumcision, not of flesh, but of your heart. Because when men and women are born into this world, Jew or Gentile, they are born with a covering over their heart. And do you know what it covers? The glory of God. They don't see. And Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that when our hearts are circumcised, we have an unveiled heart. Folks, what's a veil? A veil is a covering, isn't it? We have an unveiled heart to look in the mirror of our Bibles and truly see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? Because these Israelites did not see that. And Moses would tell them, I've been with you for 40 years. You've seen the works of the Lord, but the Lord has not given you a heart. Did you hear that? He's not given you a heart. Why why hasn't the Lord given them a heart? Because they have not turned to Him. To receive that circumcision that can only come from who? From God. And when our hearts are circumcised, or we could put it this way in the New Testament, when we are born again, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God shines in our heart. In the midst of all that darkness and all that ignorance and all that blindness that we have, Or as John would write, we love God because He first loved us. In other words, when the love of God comes to us and we behold it and turn to Him, then and only then can we have a heart that is reflective of His love. And how many believers have a heart that reflects His love? Every believer. If you don't love the Lord, you are anathema. It takes a circumcision of heart. And he's going to repeat that in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 16. When he says, I'll begin reading in verse 15, he says, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity in that I command you today 
I'm commanding you today to love the Lord your God and to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments that you may live and multiply and that the Lord may bless you in the land which you're going away, going into. And folks, all that I want us to see here is this simple truth. <clears throat> Obedience has to flow out of love to God. And a love to God in the soul of man can only happen through regeneration. Being born again. Or as Moses would write, being circumcised. And folks, really, that's what the circumcision of the flesh was supposed to signify. That they had been circumcised not just in the flesh, but where? Inside. But everything became external. Now I want to close here. I'm going to go back to Jeremiah 6, but I want to turn to Joshua, the end of Joshua chapter 22. And folks, sometimes it's good if we go and get the testimony of a man who was Moses' assistant. He knew Moses, did he not? And he actually was taken up on the mount with Moses. He was Moses' right-hand man. And at the end of the days of Joshua... In Joshua 22, he says in verse 5, Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you to love the Lord your God and to walk in his, all His ways and keep His commandments and hold fast to Him and serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Joshua knew it began with a heart full of love to God. And he would repeat it in Joshua chapter 23 and verse 11 when he tells them, So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. And folks, how long did it take for them to forsake the love of God? It was about one generation. There arose a generation that did not know the Lord. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Folks, this is the bottom line. And when Ezekiel speaks of a new covenant... He says that God is going to do something. He's going to do something the law could not do. Folks, the law could not give you the power to love God. The law could only condemn you. But under the new covenant, God writes His law in your heart. And folks, I think that if we connect the dots, we know that that law that God has written into the hearts under the new covenant in every believer is the law of love. 
He pours out His love into their hearts by His Spirit. Now if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, I want to conclude before we go to the table and to our reading of our covenant. But just looking superficially really at these passages. Verse 4 tells us something about God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? One. And my purpose isn't to expound that other than to say that verse says there is doctrine about God, who He is. The second is our response to this doctrine. When we come to know God, verse 5, our response is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. Does everybody see that? It's just very simple. We know God. Our response to knowing God is to love Him. That's the process. And folks, the, that, those two, that commandment, verse 6, <clears throat> is to be on your heart continually. Now folks, we could, we could list 613 of them. But what is the root and the foundation that is to be upon our heart? Who God is, and that we are to what? Love Him. Everybody see that? Very important or you're not going to understand this passage. Those two things is what we are to teach our children. It's not just teaching our children, go to church. Pray your prayers. Read your Bible. And we should be doing all that, yes? It's not enough to teach your children, okay, I'm going to teach all these commandments of the Lord. Flee fornication. Keep yourself pure. Those things are true. But what you are to be teaching them diligently is who God is and that they are to love Him with all their being. I've read a lot of child training books. Rarely, rarely do I see an emphasis of reminding our children how often Daily, love God with all your being. And what happens, folks, is that when our children grow up, they think that kind of life is just reserved for people that go into full-time ministry or people that are going overseas as missionaries. 
This is a commandment to all of us. So under the new covenant, I could say this. We are to know Christ. That is eternal life. To know God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And our response to that illumined knowledge is that we are to love Him. And the greater your love, the greater glory you bring to God. And folks, here's an amazing thing. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently. You're going to have to effort at this. You're going to have to remind yourself of this. Because folks, please, did Israel forget that? They forgot it. Are you better than them? No. We are not better than them. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you what? Rise up. And parents, you're not going to do that unless it's in your heart. Right? Unless this is in your heart, then you're not going to teach it diligently to your children. And then he says, verse 8 and 9, You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And Folks, you know what the Jews did with that. What did the Jews do, to, do with that? Well, they wrapped the phylacteries around their arms. They wrap this thing around their head and they have a little box there. And on that box is Deuteronomy 6.5. It's written in the box. And on their doorpost, they have this little mosaic thing there that has a verse in it. And you can buy them at the store. And they put it on their doorpost. I did it! Did they? No. And folks, if we're not careful, we can be that way. A pastor, really with all his might, aims to increase your love for God. By showing you who He is. A parent should work really hard at this. Because when it says, bind them as a sign on your hand. Folks, your hand are your works. Your works are to exhibit your love to God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Your works. Well, what would it be as frontals on your forehead? What do you think that means? 
that your love for God should be in your mind. That in your thoughts, that if someone could examine your thoughts, and oh, how we fall short in this. If they were to examine your thoughts, they would say, that's a mind that loves God. And folks, you know what else is left there? Your speech. You talk this when you sit down and when you're walking and when you lie down and when you rise up. Folks, what, how should our speech be? It should be so expressive that others know that you love the Lord with all your mind and all your heart and all your strength. What a gift it would be if the church would get back to that. And folks, I want to remind you that Moses himself said to those people that it's going to take a circumcision of heart. And guess what it takes in the New Testament? It takes a rebirth. It takes a removal of the veil. And it takes a beholding of the glory of God, the light of the knowledge, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Because as you see Him, you are transformed. You mean i got to see Him like tomorrow morning He's going to show up in my bedroom when I'm having devotions? No, when you see Him in the pages of your Bible. And that's one of the beautiful things about reading our Bible through in a year. Is it has the opportunity to what? To transform us. I've already read that first day and there was like three or four things and I was like, you know what? I should have known that. I didn't see that. I didn't see that in such and such a chapter and then ten chapters later he refers right back to that. Just, it's just beautiful. And folks, when you have the divine love of God in your soul, it will give birth to a holy fear, to a carefulness Folks, the more more godly you are, the more careful you are about your walk. And it will bring an evangelical obedience. It will bring an obedience that is glorifying to God. Isn't it amazing? When you think about the law, you're thinking about all those little commandments. And Moses says, this is the singular commandment. And Jesus confirmed it. That we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. Now folks, we're, we're coming to this table. There's two ways you can partake of this table. 
<coughs> you can come to this table and you can listen. You can take the bread when it comes your way. You can hear me say, take, eat. You can eat it. You can do the same with the juice. <coughs> you can sing the song that we sing afterwards. And you can leave. Having never really participated in the table. Why? Because you didn't participate in the table out of love. Everybody see that? All of our obedience has to flow out of a love to God. Or it is not pleasing to Him. And folks, in this year, I want to encourage us as a church to really pray and ask the Lord to enlarge our love for Him this year. Would that be a good prayer? Would that do us good in 2023? I mean, regardless of what the winds and the waves of the world and what they're doing, that would do us good. Do you think that would be good for your family in 2023? Yes. So let's take that as our theme of the year. To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, folks, I just want to say this very quickly. As a believer, you know you can't do that. Only God can do that in the flesh. But all oh, to grow in that. I didn't say to earn it. I said to grow in it. What God has done in my heart on October 5th, 1980, I think I can honestly say before the Lord that I have grown in my love for Him. And I want to grow so much more because one day I'm going to stand before Him. The One who loved me and gave Himself for me. And I want Him to see. He'll be very, very small when His eyes of fire come and hit those works that are there on that altar. It'll be a very, very small. But if it's just a very, very small little pearl and it's entitled Divine Love, my heart would leap for joy. May our love be increased this year. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and we'll be bringing our church covenant here. But in the meantime, men, if you would come and prepare the table.